Welcome to Healthcare and Hire, a podcast for healthcare professionals and aspiring healthcare executives looking for information, association, and inspiration from higher-level leaders across the healthcare industry. I'm Iqbal Acha, career consultant, healthcare recruiter, and registered pharmacist. Every week, I sit down to interview healthcare executives, clinical leaders, medical entrepreneurs, and industry experts to learn how they got to where they are today, what they see as the future of healthcare, and what they're doing to make healthcare more accessible, affordable, and effective. Let's find out more about today's guest. Kelly Henning is the Senior Director of Operations at Medavale Technologies. She is responsible for staffing and operating SpotRx pharmacies inside primary care clinics and deploying med center kiosks to large retailers and health systems across six states. Kelly holds a bachelor's degree in management from National Lewis University and is certified by the American Board of Opticianry and National Contact Lens Examiners. Prior to joining Medavale, she was a health and wellness director for Walmart and senior director of eye care for Luxottica, where she led teams, drove initiatives, and trained thousands of associates. Kelly is passionate about developing people and hyper-focused on continuous improvement. She is always looking to challenge herself and those around her to look for new and improved ways to grow the business. Hello, Kelly. Welcome to the Healthcare and Hire podcast. Hello, Iqbal. I'm so glad to be here. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. I'm really excited. And there's going to be a lot of listeners on today's episode that are meeting you for the first time. So Kelly, why don't you take this opportunity and introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are, what your role is, and how does what you do take healthcare to a higher level? I would love to. My name is Kelly Henning. I'm a Senior Operations Director for Metavale Technologies, and I work with the SpotRx. We embed pharmacies inside of clinics, and our, our overall overarching goal is to improve med adherence and thus improve patients' overall health outcomes. We use our proprietary automated uh, pharmacy dispensing kiosks, And we're able to embed inside of clinics in a very small footprint, which kind of makes us a little bit different than our competitors, because it allows for smaller clinics to be able to have full pharmacy services in a fairly small footprint. So we're able to uh, maximize the potential inside of a clinic um, in a very small footprint. We're able to dispense medications from our medication dispensing device. We usually Uh, work with the provider teams to ensure that the formulary, the prescriptions that we uh, load into our uh, device matches the most commonly prescribed medications from that particular clinic. And then we combine that with our home delivery capabilities. We're able to uh, reach more people and improve med adherence. So I believe we are taking healthcare uh, to the highest level. 
I love that. And Kelly, that's such a, it's such a composite list of services that Medivill provides, right? You're talking about being able to work with prescribers and providers so that their needs are met without a lot of investment on their part, whether it's time, money, resources, and, and, and brain power. But at the same time, you're also offering um, services and options for patients that accommodates what their needs are as well. So we've talked about a few things, and I do know about Medivail technologies to a small degree, and maybe you can help elaborate a little bit more. You talked about two separate components, right? One is the SpotRx, uh, which is where you actually place pharmacies inside medical clinics. And then there's the med center side, which is sort of like a self-service, if I'm not mistaken, or in a way, in an automated technology. Um, what's your footprint as, a, as an organization? I believe that you guys are in four states, but can you give me some ideas in terms of like where you were when this first began and how far you've come to where you are now and even what you see Absolutely. over the next few years? Absolutely. So, so right now we, we operate um, both on the SpotRx side and the MetaVail side, uh, 91 kiosks as of today. Uh, by the end of the month, we'll have eight more. So we'll be at 99 by the end of the month, uh, this month. So uh, we have, as you say, we have uh, two different uh, businesses. We have the sell to side where we actually uh, sell to partners um, such as Sam's Club, um, uh, THC in Texas, and they use our technology um, to uh, have a self-serve model for their patients and to improve on efficiencies and workflow. And then we have the SpotRx side, which I'm personally involved in, where we actually take that med center and we combine the med center with an on-site uh, pharmacy technician, pharmacy representative inside of the clinic. And we bring the triangle of care together, the provider, the patient, and the pharmacy to ensure that we get the best possible experience for the patient. It really creates kind of a white glove concierge type service for the patient. Um, and it's, it's really due to that triangle of care being uh, put together that we're able to deliver on the health outcomes and adherence for our patients. You know, it's really fascinating the way you describe both of these two lines of business, right? From a, and as a pharmacist, you know, I'm listening to how you're describing this. And I'm also sort of like, yes, you know, the improved efficiency is so critical because I mean, how many decades do we as pharmacists have to sit there and, you know, work on the administrative pieces or the step-by-step -step yeah. process when you can imbibe some of this technology into the workflow that helps alleviate both patient frustration, provider frustration, pharmacy frustration. Um, but there's also that, you know, little um, voice inside the head that says, well, wait a minute, like, <laughs> you know, hey, if I have a patient that comes and utilizes, like, for example, uh, the SpotRx service, um, what about, you know, cons uh, consultations and patient counseling? How does your company, you know, make sure and ensure that questions by the patient are provided and also to ensure that the right person is picking up the right medication every single time? Yeah, so that's what makes this technology so cool because, uh, you know, some people I think probably have in their minds that it's this giant vending machine with in your self-serving uh, your medication. Uh, give me metformin, click, drops into the bay. Uh, it's not quite like that. Um, we do have, it's uh, enhanced with uh, telepharmacy, essentially. So with a push of a start button, you're actually uh, connected to a, a pharmacist that's working out of a central pharmacy. And that pharmacist, and, and the audiovisual is really outstanding. The first time I experienced it, I was like, whoa, that's like as if they're really there. The, the, 
the uh, camera's you know, really crisp and the sound is really good. Um, and you're actually being counseled by your pharmacist as if you were across the counter from that at your, at your regular retail pharmacy. Um, so you're still getting the counseling. Uh, and um, what's really nice as a provider, when you think of the uh, med centers that are embedded inside of clinics, the provider has access to that pharmacist too. Sure, they can call them, but they can also walk out to the med center and hit that start button and connect right with their pharmacist and ask the pharmacist any questions that they might have. And they do that frequently within our clinics. It's pretty cool service. I like that. And, you know, we're going to kind of go off a little bit on a tangent here, but I think it's important sure. to the conversation we're having about med centers. You know, the relationship between uh uh, physicians and patients and other healthcare providers uh, is definitely strained because of the distance that's involved. And here you are in including a physical footprint, um, you know, in this larger, larger arena. Um, and that's where the relationships get built, right? That's how trust is designed. And that's how trust gets fostered. Can you share with me a little bit about like, was there ever any hesitancy with some of the uh, physicians or med centers that said, hey, uh, you know what, we want to utilize the service, we want to incorporate and put this into our facilities. Was there ever some sort of, you know, conversations that taken place? Or have are there any success stories that you can share that come right up to mind where you can say because of our med centers, you know, we were able to enhance whatever, cost savings, or even from a patient satisfaction uh, perspective, something that, you know, really resonated with you and the company that continues to drive the mission for you today? Sure. So uh, we'll start with patient satisfaction. We have an NPS score of 94 right now. So our patients wow. are, are by, and, by and large telling us they love the service. Um, from an outcomes perspective, um, uh, across the brand, um, we are at uh, four and five stars in every measure. And our first fill adherence is in the high 80s compared to an industry average of about 72. So from, from an outcomes perspective, we're knocking it out of the park. From a patient satisfaction uh, perspective, um, they're, they're voting for us. From a provider perspective, you know, it's, as you say, it's relationship building. So at first, you know, when we first go into a clinic, we do an education session, you know, because by and large, these decisions, as you, as you probably expect, are made at an executive or corporate level. The individual providers in the individual clinics most time don't have, uh, they're not part of that decision-making process. So it's still relationship building. You know, when we go in and we have education sessions, we share this, this, the outcomes that I just uh, express to you and, and we tell them about the med center and how we make decisions about what medications are going to go in the med center. Um, but at the end of the day, it's about building trust and building that relationship. It, it, it always is, right? And so um, one of the things that I always um, try to stress to the doctors when I'm meeting them for the first time is I don't want you to think of us as the sales representatives in your lobby. Please never think of us as a sales rep because, you know, physicians are used to, you know, drug reps uh, coming and, yeah. you know, paying for their lunch and, and uh, providing them education when a new drug comes on the market. And so initially, I'll be honest with you, initially, a lot of providers think of us as another sales representative. Hmm. But over time, and, you know, uh, when the individual, we call them clinic account managers, Typically, they're uh, licensed uh, pharmacy technicians. 
when they meet that clinic account manager and they realize this person is part of my care team, this person's not just the pharmacy in the lobby, this person is somebody who is really going to help me drive better health outcomes for my patient. They're going to white glove uh, prior authorizations all the way through. They're going to let me know that the drug that I prescribed for this patient is not on formulary and here's the recommended um, substitute for that. Uh, they really rely on that person to help them help the patient. And, um, you know, I, I spent 25 years in a, with a big box retailer in the pharmacy industry. And it's not that we didn't want to provide this level of service. We always did. It was always our goal to give this type of service. But sometimes it's about proximity. And sometimes it's about coordinating the communication. And so, you know, you think about things like prior authorizations. When you're dealing with a big box retailer, sometimes those prior auths can take weeks to process because of the lack of coordination and communication between provider, pharmacy, and PBM. When you have somebody that's right there on site that's shepherding that through, sometimes it happens same day, most times within 24 to 48 hours. And when you talk about access to care and adherence, it makes all the difference in the world. I mean, just hearing you talk like that, Kelly, just gets my, my professional <laughs> side all geared up. Like, oh my God, this is, it is a godsend when I hear about it, right? Because I've yeah. been, I mean, we've walked at the trenches uh, in these yeah. different steps, right? Like, hey, I'm sorry, Mrs. Johnson, your medication's still not ready because your doctor hasn't responded and the insurance company won't pay for it. But here you are providing an opportunity for a pharmacy representative to simply just hand a piece of paper, can I get your signature on this, and push this process faster through. Uh, your patients yeah. must absolutely be in love with this service, right? So when we when mm -hmm. we see this, you know, net promoter score, did you say 94 or 99? I want to make clear. 94. 94%. Like that, that's huge, <laughs> right? Like I don't know any organization, big or small, that really can tout that, that fact. Uh, but, you know, when you hear that, you know, clearly this is an organization that is poised for growth. Um, and more than likely, the model itself is something that you see a lot of other urgent care clinics or other medical centers that are saying, like, yeah. we need to incorporate this into our into our practice today. How do you see the growth or what do you see the relationship or even the expansion of the industry looking like in five years? Yeah, so I, I think that you're going to see whether it's um, uh, our technology or uh, other pharmacy vendor partners, I think that you're going to see embedded pharmacies inside of healthcare clinics become the norm. Um, it, it really is, I, I spoke earlier about it, but it really is about that triangle of care and closing the gap between the communication um, between provider, patient, and pharmacy that is going to deliver the health outcomes that we need. Um, and, you know, it's really about that proximity. Patients are always going to have a choice. Mm -hmm. um, but that choice really needs to be what's best for my patient's health outcomes. And if what's best for your patient's health outcomes is having that advocate that's going to work on your behalf, uh, then I think that's what's going to, that's what it's going to take. So, Choice is always going to be there. We want people to be comfortable with their pharmacist. And if the technology is a barrier, that's why we have those on-site clinic account managers to be able to bridge the gap between the technology um, and uh, 
really provide that best in class service. I love that. Well, I love that. Kelly, thank you for, for sharing that with me. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about you. You know, we've been talking a lot about MetaVail technologies and, you know, really the, the virtues of what the organization brings. But I'm really learning, you know, in this conversation that we're having, like you're you're very, very knowledgeable about not just the organization and its mission, but the, like the way that these different business lines operate inside uh, each of these centers and what it makes available. Um, you know, was this something that like you had sort of premeditatively decided that this was the route you were going to take? I mean, how did you prepare for this role? Uh, and then how did you, you know, become as efficient or as proficient as you are in what you do today? Uh, well, thank you for the compliment. Um, no, I don't know that I uh, prescriptively went out and said, this is the company that I want to work for. Um, but it seems like the stars are aligned, right? So I'm able to use all the skill sets that I've developed over the course of, you know, a 30 plus year of some giving my age away, career in healthcare. Um, and really, along the way, I've learned a lot of of different things, whether that be, you know, healthcare operations leadership, um, people development, project management, provider relations. And what's great about this role is that I get to bring all those things together. Um, and it kind of ticks all the boxes of all the things I'm interested in. I've always been interested in healthcare and I've always had a passion for delivering great service always had a passion for developing people. Um, but I'm also really interested in innovation because I feel like if you continue to learn um, and you have that growth mindset um, and you're interested in innovation, then you'll never be bored in your career. And so um, stars kind of align for this particular role for me. Um, I had a recruiter uh, reach out to me and um, the timing was right. And um, I'm really excited and happy to be here. I'm really passionate. I've always been the kind of person that no matter who I work for, I'm really passionate about um, who they are. I wanna make sure that every, every step I've made in my career, I wanna work somebody that for somebody that shares the same values, the same core values that I have. And that's really important to me uh, and even, even I'll be honest with you, even when you're working for a corporation that maybe their, their mission statement or core values aligns with what you're doing, but you're perhaps working with a few people within the organization that don't seem to be living that out, I've always felt you can live that out. You can live out the founder's mission um, and you can bring it to life for other people and make their experience within that corporation uh, the same as what the founder envisioned. You know, that's a really good call out, Kelly. I think that it's really important for the listeners to hear that several times in different ways and from different people, because I, I find that there is a larger number of individuals who will simply look at their situation, contrast it to the mission or the, their organization. And if they see a discrepancy, they sort of have a tendency to kind of extrapolate that and says, well, if it's here, it's everywhere. When in reality, the organization is made up of people. And people mm -hmm. are individuals that decide what their course of action is, what their trajectory should look like, and the values that they choose to espouse and the values that they choose to put out there. 
Um, and so the fact that you recognize that, especially in situations where you're like, mm, it doesn't look like what you're saying and what the mission or what the company is aiming for are together. I'm going to step into that role as a leader. I'm going to live out the values of the organization because I believe in them. And that usually has like a chain a domino effect. People see that and they're like, yeah. wow, Kelly, you know, I've never seen somebody act with integrity or with, you know, or hold people accountable or, you know, believe in like, you know, setting higher standards because it's just never been that way. And they're attracted to that. That's really good. Um, and I kind of want to go back a little bit, right? Like we've, I know we've mentioned, uh, you know, your, your career uh, in several big box stores. Uh, I mean, you spent some time as a, a, a market health and wellness director with Walmart's health and wellness division. You've been a senior director at Luxottica. These are all optical, you know, you, you began in an optical industry uh, and you are a licensed optician certified as both an ABOC and NCLE. So that's a really interesting mix, right? So somebody, the listeners may be thinking, so you're an optician that moved, you know, not just upwards in an optical industry, but then also over into pharmacy. And here you are now leading an organization as a senior director for a strictly pharmacy-based product and service. Um, but one of the things that you mentioned earlier was like how adaptable you are, right? You have to be open to the idea of being innovative and helping develop people. That transition though, out of optical into pharmacy, was that an easy transition for you? Was that just a, you know, wake up one oh, morning and you're like, yeah, I'll just go ahead and do this. <laughs> no, it, it, it absolutely was not. It was definitely uh, learning out of a fire hose. You know, I remember when I first transitioned into this role, it was out of necessity, to be honest with you. Uh, what happened was I was working for Walmart stores and uh, they made the decision to integrate their uh, pharmacy and optical into one health and wellness division. And um, so we went through a reorganization and uh, as part of the reorg, uh, they, they bucketed people into three buckets, those that were going to take the current market that they were in, mm. and it would be now pharmacy and optical those that were going to be moving forward in the organization, but they would be offered markets that might not be markets they were currently in. And then there was, uh, I guess, four buckets. The third bucket was people that were going to have to re-interview for their job. And the fourth bucket was folks that were going to be exited from the company and not offered a position. I was very fortunate to be offered uh, the health and wellness market of the market that I actually lived in. Um, and, uh, so that was a blessing. Um, but, uh, there was a lot to learn and, um, that's when I became very good at change management, <laughs> <laughs> baptism by fire. Um, and there was a lot to learn. And I remember one of the, uh, hopefully people get a sense of, uh, how much there was to learn, but one of the first, uh, uh, general education sessions that that the optical people moving into pharmacy uh, one of the first general education sessions that we got the title of the program was the seven deadly sins and it was basically <laughs> do this wrong and you'll be fired um wow that's pretty blunt yes. it yes yes but you know we're a highly regulated industry yeah and it may be blunt, but it's absolutely necessary. There are just things you cannot do. Um, and so, uh, you know, some people might have looked at that like, my Lord, 
That's absolutely horrible. I didn't look at it that way. I looked at it like this is absolutely necessary and required information and we have to take it seriously. And we may need to make sure that everyone who's hearing this message hears it loud and clear. There's no room for error here. So I didn't look at it badly, although I look back now and I, I do laugh about it. The seven deadly sins. Uh, don't make me quote what those seven deadly were because I don't remember. But suffice to say, there was a lot of regulations that we needed to learn. Understood. And, you know, actually, that kind of helps me ask another question, right? Because this is now becoming a common theme with some of the guests that come on the show, and that is their experiences with reductions in force or RIFs. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's there's been this conversation that's been happening across the board, whether it was pharmacy or nursing or even, you know, uh, you know radiology and optometry. Like, there's a lot of things that are changing now that we're un unplanned, unheard of in some cases, right? And I think there's mm -hmm. also the stereotype that, you know, once you've reached a certain level, you're, you're like, um, you're, you're immune to a riff. Uh, and I think that you and I can both speak to this multiple times over, like, no, you're never really immune to a riff. But, you know, for the listeners that may be trying to piece together parts of this puzzle, like, what is the experience? What was the experience like for you? And, and was that the only time that you were experienced in, in that situation where you had to, um, you know, you were lucky in the sense that they really gave you back your market, but a lot of your peers, uh, they were not as fortunate. And have you ever experienced another rift beyond that? Or was the, like, what is that experience like for you? And what are some lessons that you learned from that, that you'd like to share with, with the audience today? Uh, that's an excellent question. And no, it was not the first one. I actually went through with Walmart stores, went through three major restructures um, and reorganizations. Um, and each time it was difficult because you lost uh, friends and colleagues. I remember at one meeting uh, we were at, um, after the first initial reorganization, they told us flat out that this would not be the first or this would not be the last one. And um, uh, the leader at the time said from the platform, look to your left, look to your right. Somebody will be missing at the next meeting. Very sobering. Wow. But it was, you know, a, a, a call to attention that, that we needed to execute with excellence. And I always took that very seriously. Uh, so, yes, I went through three major restructures there. And then... Um, uh, with Luxottica, I went through a restructure there as well. That's what led me actually to, to Metavale was uh, after the pandemic um, or during the pandemic, the decision was made to eliminate the role of the senior eye care director. Mm. And um, that, was, that was a tough one because I really, really loved that job uh, because I felt like I was the advocate for the for the doctors who were leaseholders um, and um, had really developed very strong relationships. And from the beginning of the pandemic, you know, I did a ton of research to help them understand how to get PPE loans and what they needed to do um, in terms of, you know, I had been through restructures before and I knew that they were maybe going to have to reorganize. And so I took that role very seriously. And um, when the decision was made to eliminate that role, that was a tough pill to swallow. Although to a certain degree, I've never missed a PNL in my life and I understand finances and I understand why that decision had to be made. 
And so I didn't take it personally. And I think that's the best advice that I can give is it, don't take that personally. They're not, they're not getting rid of you, the person. It's really about the role and the structure of a particular organization. And um, I saw, you know, over the course of the last 10 years and going through probably four or five major restructures, I've seen really good, talented people lose their jobs. And I never said to myself, well, you know, it's because I'm better than they were. Never once did that ever cross my mind. It's just timing, location. You know, there's so many things that go into these, uh, these decisions. And um, the best advice that I can give is believe in yourself and uh, always work hard to, you know, uh, stand for excellence and execution. And don't doubt that you'll find your next. Your next is there. You still have a lot of value to offer and you'll find something that's, that's right. Because I tell you, each, each time that this has happened, I've moved on to some other company. I've always felt like, wow, as, as meandering as my career has seemed to be, it all now has a purpose. And there was a reason that that role led to that role that led to that role. And had I not worked as an eye care director and had that provider relationship piece, I probably wouldn't be as good at the current role that I'm in because I deal with providers every day, all day now. And in that role, I learned to influence without authority. And I do that every day now. And so take what you can from the current role that you have and learn as much as you can because there'll be something that'll come along next that you'll be able to offer more, um, maybe just in a different way. You know, your resiliency and your positive attitude, I think are really unique. Um, and I know that there's a lot of people we both know in common that have demonstrated these qualities, but to go through a riff and to be as wise as you are expressed on this, on this, on this episode today is really helpful. Because I know, you know, and unfortunately, it is a fact of life that businesses will continue to, you know, conduct rifts, and there will be, you know, restructures and realignments over and over and over again. Um, but there are people that will take it personally, and you know, the fact that you can say that with a straight face and with you know experience behind, experience under your belt, knowing don't like it's not you. It's just the way that it's business operates, and there is something better out there is really critical. You've talked about a few skill sets that I really want to touch on because I think that that's something that I would love to tap into, right? You've talked about being able to influence without without authority. You've talked about relationship building. Like, how does somebody? You seem to have experienced and acquired those skill sets through firsthand knowledge, uh, through firsthand experience, right? Your interactions with providers, managers, executives, uh, and even subord uh, subordinates and, 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 and associates like has helped you recognize when, hey, I need to employ more emotional intelligence here. And in this situation, this is a black and white, hey, it is what it is, but we're going to work through it and let's do that. For some of the listeners, they may be wondering, I don't have that kind of opportunity. I don't have an opportunity where I have executives that I can meet, or I don't have associates that I need to work with conflict resolution. Are there sources or recommendations that you have to, for somebody to help them start acquiring those skill sets? What would you say to somebody that came to you um, as a mentee and wanted to learn maybe how, how to be more like you? What would you say? Um, 
Wow, that's a big question. Um, I read a lot. I uh, read a lot of uh, leadership books. I, I listen to a lot of leadership podcasts. I um, always look for mentors. If I see somebody who is uh, doing an exceptional job in their current role, I'm never afraid to ask, uh, tell me more about what you do. And, um, you know, it really is about relationship building and being a really good listener. And I think the mistake I see a lot of people make is they listen to respond instead of listen to learn. And um, if you listen to learn um, and really um, talk less, <laughs> you'll find that there are a lot of mentors out there in unexpected places. Uh, but really it is, it really does come down to um, relationship building um, and being a good listener and um, looking for mentors in unexpected places. Uh, and don't be afraid to ask somebody to mentor you. That's something that I learned really early on that if you see somebody who's really, really good at their job and you admire them, tell them. Because most people I find like to mentor others. Um, people that are really good at their jobs and have exhibit really good leadership skills, it's not by accident that they're good at that. Um, and they typically actually enjoy um, feeding into other people. So don't be afraid to ask. I think that's, that's a really good point. Um, there's a lot of self-satisfaction that comes out of giving of yourself. So mm -hmm. to know that and, and to present that as an, as an open invitation uh, is a really critical piece. Kelly, when you think about mentors in your life, is there one that probably is the most memorable or the most impactful one for you either early on or mid-career? And then is there a mentor today that you value your time and insights from when you speak with that person? Yeah, so early on in my career, there was a gentleman named Ronnie Hoyt who was uh, leading out the optical uh, for Walmart stores um, when, it, uh, when they first went into the optical business. At the time uh, that I started with uh, Walmart Optical, there was less than 100 locations. Um, wow. And yeah, it, and I was probably one of the first 20 district managers. And we were, we were definitely, we almost felt like a startup because uh, we, they were testing us out to see if they even wanted to be in the, in the optical business. So we were a scrappy bunch. And um, Ronnie was really a great mentor because um, he really cared about the whole person. Um, and he spent a lot of time teaching, training, and developing uh, really hands-on. And so he definitely sticks out as, as a really wonderful mentor. And then currently, uh, it's sort of peer-to-peer -peer mentoring. Um, a good friend of mine who I came up in the optical industry and then she took on the health and wellness role as well. Um, I ended up leaving Walmart um, before she did, but uh, her name is Tammy Sherman and she's currently a uh, vice president of uh, Bitwise Industries. So she's completely got out of the healthcare sector and uh, is now working in technology. But uh, iron sharpens iron and we've always been really 
good uh, advocates for one another and each other's careers. And as we took different career paths, we always stayed in touch. And I still rely on her to be the one person who will, who will give me that critical voice, but yet still love me like a sister. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's very important. Um, you know, the Absolutely. transparency and truthfulness uh, that comes from a trusted person. Like that's, yeah. that's really the most important part. And I appreciate you sharing that. Kelly, you've had a, you've had a beautiful career, right? Like all the ups, all the downs, you know, things that you planned and things that you didn't, mm -hmm. you still managed to, to come through those opportunities with, with a smile on your face. When you think back over your career, is there an accomplishment or achievement that you're really proud of? I mean, there's been a lot of things, but is there one that really sticks out for you? Um, I don't, I don't know that there's one moment, um, but definitely mentoring people has always been something that's I'm super passionate about. Um, whether that be uh, through work relationships, whether that be through my local church and um, you know volunteering or doing mission work, whether that be through um, education at uh, in you know the community public school that my children went through, whether it be through uh, sports and community recreation, I always look for people that need um, people to feed into them and to pour into them. Um, so I look for those relationships. If I had to pick like one one thing, um, it's still mentorship. But uh, you know I I led a um, I led a summer leadership series for um, some pharmacy interns. And it started one year with just the pharmacy interns in my particular market. And I had three that year. Um, the next year I took on, I believe it was nine interns across three markets um, that were pretty local and could get to me within two hours. And then it, it spawned into um, something across two different regions. And I was very proud of it because we ended up, um, I think the last year that I was uh, a part of the leadership development series, we had 26 pharmacy interns um, as part of the program. And we ended up uh, delivering 92%, 92% stayed with us and became pharmacists for Walmart stores. And several of those now are, are market directors and above. Some have, have gone on to, to leave Walmart, but are directors for you know major hospital uh, pharmacies. And it's just been so exciting to see what happened to their careers. And that this leadership series was, uh, there was some uh, continuing education that was pharmacy related, but it really was a leadership series. It was really about giving them the skills so that they could take healthcare higher, if you like that uh, circle around reference. <laughs> um, I love so it, that thank they would you. Realize that <laughs> you're welcome. So that they would realize that uh, uh, their career doesn't have to be one thing that um, their career can be many different things and it can start as one thing and they can take different paths along the way. Um, and so I, 
very, very, very proud of that. But it all really circles back to people development. You know, I, it's so great to hear you talk like this, Kelly, because, you know, we, we as professionals, executives, we tend to get very busy with the day-to-day -day work. You know, you have, you have metrics that you need to meet. You have metrics that you need to hold your team accountable to and provide support and guidance. And, you know, sometimes we forget that, like, the ultimate payoff is exactly the legacy that we're creating through other people. So for you to have designed a, in a development program that started with like three, but has like morphed into 26 plus, uh, I mean, that, that's pretty remarkable. And I'm, my assumption is, is that these individuals not only like remember you for the value that you poured into them, but they're hopefully passing that on uh, in some capacity to other mentees as well. So it's like a, a continuous change, right? We're always like paying it forward. And I think that that's really helpful to hear how mentorship it's not just, you know, what you're doing for the future. It, it helps you as well. Like you kind of refine your own uh, perspectives. You sort of refine like what's important and it helps you reprioritize. Kelly, you talked a lot of, in the beginning about, you know, how you would teach other people about some of these leadership development rules. And you said you read a lot. Are there some specific books that really, you know, uh, that you gravitate towards? Or is there like a particular author or a book that you hold near and dear to your heart when you think about, hey, anytime I need to recognize what's going on or I can need to reestablish some leadership principles, uh, talk to me a little bit about the books that you read or the authors that you really uh, gravitate towards. Uh, I really love John Maxwell. Um, a lot of people read John because he's pretty prolific in, in his writing, but also um, has just so many pearls and nuggets. Um, I like uh, Craig Groeschel. I don't know if you have uh, many people know Craig, but uh, he does a, um, he's in the church, but he also does a, a leadership uh, podcast that I use stuff from his leadership podcast all the time. Uh, he has these leadership moments that they don't take more than a, a few minutes to read them, but there's always just a really wonderful pearl. Uh, one quote that I love from, from Craig is, if you want to reach people nobody's reaching, then you've got to do things that nobody's doing. I love that quote, and it, it really is perfect for what, what Metavale and SpotRx is doing right now. Uh, we're reaching people that need to be reached because we're doing things that no one else is doing. So um, those are two people that are kind of my go-to uh, leadership gurus. Um, there's, I'm sure, many more, but those are the two that I personally seek out when, uh, when I need a little inspiration. Very nice. I am familiar with John Maxwell. I was not familiar with Craig Craig Groeschel. Groeschel. I will add that to my list of authors to either check out, read, download of that nature. Kelly, you've been a phenomenal guest. I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show and sharing some of your pearls of wisdom and your insights. I'm sure there's going to be several listeners that will want to reach out to you and maybe connect with you, learn a little bit more. What's the best way for them to do that? I mean, the easiest and best way is through LinkedIn. I've met a lot of people through LinkedIn and, and I'm sure you'll share uh, uh, my LinkedIn bio through your uh, podcast, uh, but that's the best way to reach me. I can also be reached at khenning at metavale.com. And so feel free to, to email me, but LinkedIn is probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. Sounds like a plan. And yeah, I would agree. I think almost everybody that's listening to this and all the guests, like LinkedIn is such a beautiful resource. 
Uh, and so it allows us to stay connected with each other. Kelly, thanks once again for taking some time to be on the show. It was a pleasure and I'm wishing you nothing but success as the rest of the year goes on. Thank you, Iqbal. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Healthcare and Hire podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to follow and subscribe for more. I'm your host, Iqbal Acha, and I invite you to connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Let me know what you thought about this episode or my show in general. Also, visit me at www.achainternational.com to learn more about how I help healthcare professionals and healthcare leaders advance their career build a better brand, and create a leadership legacy. I'll be back next week with another episode. But until then, let's keep working to take healthcare to a higher level.